Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And this is part two of our Pride and Prejudice recap. Yes. Um, and we are obviously still joined by Laura Burrell. Hey! Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, she will drop out at the end, or in the middle of this episode. We have a little... But we might stick on some... You guys, it's going to be Frankensteinish. It's going to be weird. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've been working on my disappearing act, and it just got really good. <laughs> <laughs> but we're doing this for the second time, and um, yeah, just uh, my brain. <laughs> yeah, just, just bear with us. Bear with us. That's the good... That's, I can't even... That's the good that's phrase. The, that's a good phrase. <laughs> I'm losing my damn mind. Okay. <laughs> Uh, well, let's just start with our favorite scenes. Um, I'll start with mine, okay. even though I'm the least able to speak at the moment. <laughs> um, my, okay, my favorite scene is the super hot, super sexy um, proposal in the rain scene. The first proposal. Is it the first? Well, I mean, the first yeah. Darcy yeah. Elizabeth proposal. Yes. Yeah. And, um, I mean, sure, it might not be exactly as it is in the book. And it's a great, great, great scene in the book. But it is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> They're just staring at each other like they hate each other. But they keep looking at each other's mouths like, mm, make out with me right yeah, now. They're screaming at each other's faces and they're all wet. And then they're like, he steps up to her when they start talking about Wickham. And it's just like, oh, I got to fan myself. <laughs> all this all this uh, rain should just be turning into steam before my very eyes. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, it's not exactly the same, but you know what? I think all of us deep down, all of us Jane Austen lovers, or everyone, anyone who likes a little romance in their lives, mm. they wanted to see the sexy, in the rain, hot version of this scene. And I'm glad we got it. <laughs> as sexy as it'll get. Yep. Well, if they want to take it further, they can always look online for fan fiction. <laughs> say, probably... Without crossing into the border. <laughs> yeah. Well, Christian, what's your favorite scene? Um, I think uh, there's so many, but I think my number one was when um, Caroline and Elizabeth take their turn around the room <laughs> and yeah, they're scene. talking about Mr. Darcy as if he's not there but he's right there listening and they're yep. just poking fun at him and he's just being brooding and like ugh, whatever <laughs> yeah all for the benefit of him i noticed when i rewatched this that scene last night that um the very beginning of the scene before it even starts caroline is just prancing back and forth in mm -hmm. front of darcy yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. that was so funny <laughs> yeah that one is staged beautifully like with the way they circle him and yeah that's a great yeah. scene i, I love just that like scene. i wanted them to be friends because i feel like they're both smart in their own ways and i like to think some time like maybe 10 years down the line when caroline you know has come to grips with the fact she's not gonna marry darcy but yes. you know she's still bingley's brother or sister so i'm sure she'll run into her but i like to think that eventually they they get over their differences yeah they could become friends <laughs> sure why not <laughs> I like to think the best of all the characters. <laughs> well, what's your favorite scene, Laura? Well, I was going to say the ball at Meriton, just because it's like so boisterous and sweaty and fun and everybody's just so crazy. And then, you know, Richie Rich and his entourage show up and it's just, <laughs> you know, it's a really nice clashy thing and everybody's trying to get along and then they're rude to one another and 
we get Lizzie's finger snaps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I want to talk about the ball at Netherfield. Like, my sister and I bond over movies a lot, and I think this movie holds a special place in our hearts, and especially that scene, because it's just so, so very gorgeous. They're, you know, they're in this very sedate dance as compared to other dances, even at that same ball. And they're having a, a fencing match, <laughs> this place, playful fencing match yeah. um, with words. And they just both get to the point where uh, they just love each other so much, but they're just little bastards and they won't admit so <laughs> to it. Rude to each other in that scene. Yeah. <laughs> but you but can... they're also, it's also flirting too. It like, is flirting. And, and then like, and when everyone drops out of the scene, you can yeah. really tell that, oh, they only have eyes for each other, I see. Yeah, <laughs> they're the only people in the world. And, yeah, it's just lovely. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's do a few more notes that we um, didn't get to last time. Um, okay, well, let's just start. Jacqueline Duran did the costumes. Mm. Um, I, I definitely want to mention yes. her because they're great in this. I think I mentioned before that, um, you know, the older characters had the more natural waistlines and the younger characters had more like a proto-regency comfier mm-hmm. thing going on. Also, she used it to show the ranks of, mm-hmm. you know, people. Oh. Um, and the fabric and the colors. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. And the music was by Dario Marinelli. And I love the music. I will um, listen to that soundtrack for the rest of my life. I bought this so sheet good. music like the second I got out of the theater <laughs> because <laughs> it's the perfect kind of music that I love to play on the piano. He actually went on to collaborate with Joe Wright four more times. Mm-hmm. Um, probably they might be still future ones in the future. Mm-hmm. Future ones in the future. Um, <laughs> and the person who played all the the, the pianist who played all the music, um, well, most of it, because there was some violin, I noticed, but most of it is piano. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a French pianist named Jean-Yves Thibodeau. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I have Jean-Yves no. Thibodeau. Yep, that's Maybe? probably better. I don't know. Um, <laughs> My French is also horrible. So. <laughs> I took French in high school, but I haven't really had much chance to practice. No, I have not a lick of French in me, so... <laughs> Yeah, I switched to Spanish and then I started getting really confused in my brain about what's the French and what's the Spanish pronunciation and yeah I took Latin so I can read all that and I can pronounce none of it yeah I'm I'm much better at reading than I am at pronouncing um oh and the English Chamber Orchestra also played Mm. the rest um let's see it premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival which is cool for like a you know, I think some other ones might have premiered at film festivals. Some other Jane Austen. Yeah, maybe ones we haven't gotten to yet. Um, Probably. It was ultimately released in 62 countries mm-hmm. and wow. made $121 million. Whoa. So Jane Austen, always making money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus like a $100 million surplus. Yeah. Almost. Wow. <laughs> it, got an, it has, at this point, an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty good for a Rotten Tomatoes score. It's not as should high be. as some of the ones we've seen, but... Um... I think it should be higher, personally. So, but... um, the beautiful, brilliant Meryl Streep just pointed out that the majority of critics on Rotten Tomatoes are men or something. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I... makes sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, in her estimation and in mine, I think a lot of uh, more generally female-centric plots and storylines get kind of yeah. swept to the side because of that 
Maybe we'll have wow. to figure out if there's another place that we can look up, you know, average ratings that is a little more. Yeah. Democratic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, democratic. I don't know. Just like the Vulture or like magazines or places where they actually use like a diverse group of critics is probably mm, your yeah. best bet. Well, mm-hmm. Plus this is still 2005, so yeah. things have gotten better in mm-hmm. the last 14 uh, years. Just watch the preview and see if you like it. I can't believe it's been 14 years. Why is there not another... Pride and Prejudice adaptation in the world. Get on it, people. Because this one's so beautiful. Yeah. I know, but there can never be enough. <laughs> um, do it, Maya. Make it happen. Yeah. If this podcast yes. can do one thing, bring more Austin adaptations to the world. Every shape and size. I want all the different variations and adaptations and um, interpretations. All the shins. All the shins. <laughs> I want to see all the voices make Jane Austen. Okay. So also, uh, you know, Jane Austen fans are not shy about their opinions. So (laughs) there has, of of course, been mixed critical reception of the film. And we'll get into a little bit that at the very end. But um, you got a lot of award nominations. Oh, this is when I did it back (laughs) on the old way. Okay. Uh, Karen Knightley got six Best Actress nominations, including Golden Globes and Academy Awards. Dario Marinelli got um, two nominations for score, including Academy Awards. Sarah Greenwood and Kate Spencer got nominated for Best Art Direction for Academy Awards. Jacqueline Duran, Best Costume Design, two nominations, including the British and American Academy Awards. Paul Tothill got um, American American Cinema Editor's nomination for editing. Mm-hmm. Brenda Blethen got two nominations, including British Academy Awards. Deborah Modoc, Mo- Mogok, um, she got a uh, British Academy Award for Adapted Screenplay. Or no, she got nominated. These are all nominations, by the mm-hmm. way. Didn't we determine that they lost out to uh, Memoirs of a Geisha and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, that was the year Memoir- Memoirs of a Geisha won, like, everything. Yeah. yeah. Faye Hammond, Best Makeup and Hair, British Academy Awards, Roman Oisin, Best Cinematography, two different nominations. Matthew McFadden got nominated for Best British Newcomer. Yay. So mm-hmm. crazy to think of him as a newcomer. Right. I know. <laughs> um, Rosamund Pike, Best or Be- British. Best Beautiful Face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best Everything. Uh, supporting Actress, she got a nomination. Um, Tom Hollander actually won for Supporting Actor, the London Film Critics Circle. Good, because he was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, deserved. Joe Wright won best newcomer for british academy awards 100 <clears throat> percent mm-hmm. um he got two other nominations for best newcomer which is so weird do we have a best newcomer award in america not for like the oscars or golden globes no are you sure or, or maybe it's one of those uh, ones that just doesn't get aired oh uh, maybe yeah because I, I thought those like, were all more technical yeah the only like ones that i can like think of that are like best new whatever is like the grammys like best new artist or uh, mm. yeah but, uh, yeah which is so weird yeah. <laughs> well, half of them are not like never like new artists. Right. They've, They've always been... been like around for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're just new to popularity. Yeah. To mainstream. Yeah. yeah. Um, he also won the British. He also won for British director at the London Film Critics Circle. Uh, that's the same one Tom Hollander won it. Okay. Um, they have good taste. Yeah. <laughs> the film itself was nominated for a British Academy Award, a Golden Globe, a London Film Critics, and it won an Empire Award. Okay. okay. And in December 7, 2017, Netflix announced that a person from Chile watched the film 278 times that year. 
<laughs> um, it was later revealed to be a 50-year-old woman who declared herself obsessed with the film and saw Elizabeth Bennet as a feminist icon. And I just wanted to add that because, not to do any shade, because I watch so <laughs> many Jane Austen adaptations that I think uh, if I'm going to shade anyone, it's Netflix for announcing that because... Screw you, Netflix. We can watch what we want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I decided I was going to sew a whole bunch of uh, things for my family for Christmas because I like to make gifts. And I, it's always ill-advised because I wait till the last second. <laughs> <laughs> but I sat in my living room and I was just like surrounded by the sewing machine and all these materials and just, it was just kind of like ensconced in my little nest of craft. (laughs) And I watched the movie through and it ended and I was like, I guess I'll just watch it again. (laughs) And I think I did. I think I watched it four times in one day. Nice. Just cause I, couldn't remove myself from the pile of stuff I'd created around. Well, and if you're going to get stuck watching one movie four yes. times, this yes. is the one this to is a great get stuck one. on. Yes. <laughs> it's a great choice. It's very soothing. I know. It is. I mean, I, we watched it, I watched it for like two weeks before we recorded this the first time, mm-hmm. and then I watched it again last night, and I was like, oh, I could just watch this again. When is the next time I get to watch this movie? <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Just... A little bit on some of the other adaptations that are out there. In 1938, there was a movie, but it's lost to time. <gasps> I know, there's so many lost Jane Austen. It's like Doctor Who or something. Um, 1940, there was a feature film, which we will do someday, starring Greer Garson. But we're not going to do that one for a while because it's got some major changes and we should definitely read the book before we do that. Oh, God. <laughs> um, 1952, there was a miniseries. Don't know if we'll ever be able to find that. I think that one's lost, presumed lost. Um, 1957, there was an Italian miniseries. Oh. Um, another lost one from 1958. Uh, there's one, a Dutch miniseries from 1961. I don't know if the Italian and the Dutch are still available somehow. I doubt to us we'd be able to find them. Somewhere, maybe. Not unless we have some Italian or Dutch listeners out there who (laughs) want to send it to us. Yeah, is there an Italian I do YouTube still have that... a VCR if anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's on YouTube and like just labeled as something weird. Maybe so I should check YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a Spanish mini miniseries that was lost in 1966. Um, and apparently there was one in 1967, which doesn't say it was lost. And I say, why have I never seen this? <laughs> <laughs> because I've definitely seen the 1980s BBC miniseries. Um, in 1995, there's a super famous um miniseries is that the one with colin Firth? the one with colin Firth by mm-hmm. andrew davies in 2004 there was bride and prejudice it's just a mm-hmm. bollywood adaptation mm-hmm. ah. and then there's been countless plays spinoffs and spoofs yes pride and but prejudice honestly and that zombies. list is way too short because there's about a million emma adaptations that are still easily available in the world but yeah there's only like five four four pride and prejudice and that's hmm. the one I would think would be, have the most because that's the one everyone like has to read. That's the most popular one because yeah. I had not heard of Emma before I heard of Pride and Prejudice. I was just kind of like common Austin knowledge. Yeah. And I also find Pride <laughs> and Prejudice to be more interesting. Like, no. Well, yeah. Well, I guess Emma's a lot more, um, just lends itself to a comedy more. So. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like not a lot, not, not as much happens as in like Pride not and Prejudice. Not as meaty. Well, yeah. when we get to the books, there's definitely more, more stuff. than was in that version uh, of that movie. So. Okay. That is true. Yeah. Okay. And that's it for the intro. Woo! 
But back at the Bennett house, with I assume maybe like noon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. perhaps two. Yeah, they're all having a very hungover breakfast. Mary is again trying to plunk away at the piano, and everyone's like, "Mary, stop <laughs> <Please>. it!" <laughs> it's, STFU. <laughs> They're all irritable and they all look so tired and hungover. It's so funny. Um, and here comes Mr. Collins looking wow. surprisingly well put together. And everyone gets ushered out, even though Elizabeth is begging them to stay. Please stay. Please stay. Don't <laughs> leave me here. <laughs> Not quietly either. She's like yelling at this point, like, no one leave. Please don't yeah. leave me alone with him. But Mr. Collins is so clueless. He doesn't even notice. <laughs> oh, he's so dumb. It's, you know. I mean, who else can help you with something like that? It's pretty much you're gonna the only have one who to can get it. yourself out of it. Yeah. Um, he lays a single weed. <laughs> I mean, technically, it's a flower, but it's like a, a weed he had kept in his pocket from the night before too. It was like all crumpled up and oh, like no. wilty, and he was like, "Here you go. This is sufficient." It's yeah. such it's such a lovely shade of pale fuchsia. Yeah, I yes. mean. Weeds have flowers, too. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of sweet, but it's also... Uh, I mean, I think maybe that symbolizes him. I'm this I'm this weed from your garden. Look how pretty it is yes. deep down. Now uh, take it. <laughs> oh, and he, he goes... He basically gives her the flower and goes for it in basically the least romantic possible way. But he, al- <laughs> he also offers this really great insight into his world because he's, like, listing the reasons for marriage, and the very last one is... And it's at the urging of my esteemed patroness. <laughs> right. And he's like, and surely such an arrangement will suit everyone. Like right. he's trapped too. Yeah. He's like, I don't really want to do this, yeah. but I'm going to have to. And wouldn't it be nice if we just kind of connect families? <laughs> right. Right. Well, I mean, I think he does. It's not like he's averse to getting married. He's just been told, Oh, it's time for you to get married. And right. He's, but, you know, he goes to the Bennetts first, which is admirable. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it suits everyone. <laughs> yeah. He's like, it's suitable. I mean, considering he's Trippy the one path. who's inheriting their house, it's pretty um, thoughtful of him, actually. Mm-hmm. But he gets to the point where he says, now I must inform you of the violence of my affections. And she <laughs> jumps up as if she's just been scalded. <laughs> she's like, I definitely do not want to hear about your violent <laughs> <Mr>. affections. <laughs> Yeah, and he's trying to compliment her, like, your economy, your modesty. And she's like, bro, no. like, <laughs> not modest. Yeah. <laughs> um, she, yeah, she declines him. She's not rude about it, but she's increasingly firm in yes. her. <laughs> she's, she's, she's trying to be very clear. It's yes. just like, the further he goes into his, like, proposal the more sexist he gets he's like well yeah. just delicate females like to just lead other men on so i'm assuming by you saying no the first three times is because you want me to keep asking and he, and he also says look i might be the only one who ever proposes to you you might as well take this proposal and she's yeah. like fuck she's like i will be alone forever before yeah. i take this i'd rather be in poverty and yeah. a spinster than be your wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after she actually refuses him, walks out, everyone bursts in, and Kitty and Lydia are in hysterics. Jane can't <laughs> even keep a straight face. Mary has a little moment of longing at Mr. Collins. <laughs> she tries to smile at him. Yeah, it's <laughs> and probably I was the most. Wondering, is it because she loves him or just because she actually relates to him at this moment? She's like, yeah, that's about how I would do. I was like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> probably like that me. <laughs> 
and I, I yeah, you feel a little bad for Mr. Collins when they all bust nah. in and laugh in his face. <laughs> so Lizzie's out at the pond. Mrs. Bennet is running around chasing geese or like like a goose. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love that comparison. I I think I remember the director saying he felt bad about that afterwards. <laughs> Like the the geese, yeah, <laughs> just chasing because they were like, oh my god, what's happening? Oh well, no, crazy no, no, woman. not not feeling bad that scared the geese, but like felt bad for like using the geese as a comparison to the like the nagging mother, the honk because oh. she's like running well, and her skirts I... are billowing and yeah. yeah. I think he needs to feel bad for it because it's not like something I actually picked up on. At all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's frantic. She runs in to tell Mister Bennett that he has got to fix this situation. And he goes out to do it, but um, with his own twist, he, yeah. he fixes it in a way not to Mrs. Bennett's satisfaction. Um, we actually, as they walk up to Elizabeth, we see the geese fly across the lake. Another and, beautiful shot. Yeah, according yes. to the director, that was complete lucky chance that they managed to get that one. But Mr. Bennett is like, from this moment on, you must be a stranger to one of your parents. If you marry Mr. Collins, well, if, if if you don't, don't marry Mr. Collins, your mother will never forgive you. And if you do, I will never forgive you. Right. <laughs> we're like, yay. She is. So, oh, thank you, Dad. Thank like you. Studio <laughs> audience clapping. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one time I approve of people clapping in the theater. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so then we go basically straight into the house, straight into Caroline's letter to Jane and Jane is sitting on the stairs beside herself. She can't even show anyone this letter. Although I'm wondering if Kitty and Lydia saw it because they both are like, shh, don't say it. When Elizabeth walks in, yeah, but she doesn't show it to Elizabeth till much later in the evening. Or maybe they just perceive how sad she is. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe she just kind of give them like a quick, like little overview of what happened. Yeah. Oh, poor Jane. Poor, poor Jane. So Elizabeth is packing up Jane's stuff. It's, I mean, how did you feel? Did you feel that this was clear as to what was happening with Jane? Because it seems so fast and rushed to me that I wasn't sure. Like, what do you mean clear? Like, wh why Elizabeth is packing all her stuff? Oh, no, I had no, I thought maybe, um, I don't know. Like, I guess like my, my first thought was like, oh, is she going to go and try and leave with them or something but then I, like we guess we don't find out later until well, no, later i mean like elizabeth says g you know go to london make yourself known. yeah, yeah but they don't really explain what's happening in the scene they do kind of within the scene but i feel like this particular scene is like one of those if you haven't read the book you have no idea what's going on yeah, right yeah. here i waited until i never read the book no yeah. well you've seen the movie like a hundred times though so <laughs> yeah, but, uh, true and it's you know it's been out for 14 years. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, so. um, the aunt and uncle that we meet later, um, mm -hmm. they're sending Jane to go stay with right. them because yeah. they live in London. That's where Bingley is. Yeah. And, and they they're just like, are just hoping they'll all make it known that you're there yeah. and maybe he'll request to yeah. see. When, when they're packing, so Lizzie's like shoving all this stuff into uh, Jane's trunk. And like you pointed out, that Jane snatches something back out of the trunk yes. and shoves it under the pillow, and we have no idea what that. Yeah, thing I was is. like, is that like your fancy underwear or something? I don't I know. Say maybe She's it's like, like, I'm not taking that. That's not what's happening on this <laughs> yeah. trip. Yeah, floor length negligee. Yeah, not see through at all. She's like, that's too provocative. Yeah, we we get that's a not lot of happen. great Jane in this adaptation. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you can really just, especially in this scene, you can 
feel everything that she's feeling. She's heartbroken, but she's also excited, but she's scared. I mean, it's I just... Say, she's like, I gotta do it. I gotta go win it back. Yeah. She's, you know, she's trying to keep a brave face, but it's very hard for her. Before we start back, um, <laughs> Laura had to leave, and so you'll hear her again at the very end. We recorded her plugs just so... Um, you know, we can make sure to get that in. And unfortunately, she had to leave, but it's just me and Christian now for the rest <laughs> of the recap. Yeah. Um, so Jane has left. We're watching her drive away. Um, Mr. Bennett is saying, well, now that Jane's been jilted, it's your turn, Lizzie. Uh, how about Wickham? He'll jilt you credibly. <laughs> <laughs> Such a weird jilt. Like, I... I, I don't really know what that means necessarily i'm assuming it means just like treat you right well it, i think it means like lead you on and then go off with another girl kind of or uh, like you know leave you ha- high and dry sense. so mr bennett is like i know everyone i can read everyone everybody has a little bit of heartbreak in their life and yeah. it's time for you to have some too lucky girl um and i, I like the way we show time passing with lizzie on the swing She's just yes. spinning around on the swing. And the and... season changing yeah. and the animals changing <laughs> yeah. from chickens to cows to pigs to yes. chickens. Although um, before we actually get to all of the seasons, Charlotte shows up and says that she is engaged to Mr. Collins. <gasps> what? And she's, she's obviously defensive about it because... Um, she knows that Lizzie doesn't like him because she just jilted him herself. Right. <laughs> and, um, which I think it's, I think her defensiveness is very justifiable. Like, I, I feel like because, especially of that time period where she's 27, which is for that time period, which is so stupid to me, is like she's getting old. She's getting past her date. Yeah. Like, she's way past. And so she, I think at this point, it's kind of like, I don't want to say desperate, but she's like, I don't have any other options. Yeah. She's, you know, she's, I mean, for one thing, she's extremely sensible. Mm-hmm. She's maybe like the most sensible character yes. in the whole most level-headed. story. <laughs> and uh, she's just, she's too old, like you said, yeah, not to for that, jump at this opportunity. Yeah. And she's a product of that time period. And she's going to anyway. have a like one of the best lives. Like she's going to have so much like support from uh lady catherine and she's, she's gonna a... get the bennett house when exactly <laughs> so she which could if, if you know if things didn't work out for the bennett's it could have voted well for them because yeah. she's because she's not gonna loves them. she's not gonna kick them out no she was like we'll figure some out yeah she she's definitely probably the best they could have done if it wasn't one of them yeah and i think it's like a little reminiscent of like um of emma it might be a theme of austin's work where she you know, there's this moment where these, like, you know, independent main characters, these main ladies are, you know, they're like, well, we don't, you know, we don't need a man. Like, I, I don't want to just marry a man because of the time period I'm in of for money or just because I have to, like. And so you kind of feel that oncoming judgment from Lizzie. Yeah. And Catherine's like, well, you know, don't get high and mighty with me. Like, this is <laughs> a product of our time. Like, I have to do this. Like, don't judge me. Yeah. She, you know. yeah, she says don't judge me Lizzie and um this actual scene is actually written by Emma Thompson it's one of the right. couple of scenes that is written by her it was so good it was <laughs> so a really dramatic. great scene because you really feel for Charlotte yeah. in that moment um yeah. and that's you know 
she keeps spinning more time is passing and that's where we really get to see the changing of the seasons like this is boat in the in the, <laughs> i almost got it a foyer but i guess it would be more of a a mud yard a, a yard <laughs> yeah I guess there's a boat so. in the yard then there's cows in the yard then there's hay in the yard gotta get the hay in before the rain <laughs> my uh, period adaptation lovers will get that <laughs> um so she goes to visit charlotte because charlotte writes her and asks her to come visit and she's got nothing going on at home i mean jane's <laughs> gone all she's doing is swinging for months on saying, end she's like it's not a favor you have saved me from boredom yeah <laughs> i will gladly put up with mr collins and anything else to get out of here for a little while um so she goes to charlotte's and as soon as they walk in the door they immediately just ignore mr collins completely go right. into <laughs> charlotte's little private study where no one's gonna bother them yeah it's like charlotte knows she's like don't worry it's not gonna come in she knows how to to live her life exactly. <laughs> correctly she, she's got it made <laughs> yeah she's got her little no boy allowed parlor yes that's just for her um and lady catherine arrives and they're all like oh, lady catherine's here lady catherine's here <laughs> and she's inviting mouth. us to dinner and even charlotte has fallen under the spell of, of lady catherine yeah i guess if, i mean if I you mean, have mr collins constantly talking about how great she is you can't be like help but and then you see that <laughs> I don't even want to call it a mansion, like that 20-story building that she has for her home. It's like a castle. <laughs> it's humongous. Yeah. I mean, even, like, walking up on that, you would be like, this lady is crazy. Yeah. Like, she's important. I want to know her. And the inside is so dark and, like, just... Like, intense. I mean, it's opulent, but it's so heavy. It feels very, like, old world to me. Yeah. Which she's very much of that time yeah. period. It does. It feels like... Are we in the Regency or are we in the Elizabethan times? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they go to uh, her ginormous house and it's Dame Judy Dench. Who oh my God. We all love, I'm sure. She, what I love about her in this is that immediately you know what character she's going to be the minute she walks like into the room. Not oh, yeah. saying a word. You're like, this woman is intense. She is like fearsome just with her look. <laughs> Yeah, and she pretty much is straight into Elizabeth. As soon as she walks in the door, she's like, let me evaluate you. <laughs> I, I was wondering, does she want her to be, like, a, a companion for her daughter? Maybe. Because I'm sure poor Anna Berg. I mean, someone could write a story about her. I was about to say, see, <laughs> she had no lines in this, and she seemed, like, <laughs> very solitary and just like, huh. I know, she's wearing all black, and she just, I mean, that must so be a sad. hard life. <laughs> I mean, even though it's technically easy because you don't really have any worries but mm -hmm. you got lady catherine and i think she's her only daughter yeah no husband around um but elizabeth basically turns around and who is here but darcy mr darcy and it's very surprising um and also uh, colonel fitzwilliam random yeah random <laughs> friend of the family i yeah. guess and uh lady catherine is like what wait you you two know each other already? I did was not informed of this. I might not have invited you over. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, you're really pretty. Like, you can't do here. <laughs> so they're, they're sitting down to dinner. And at first, they're sitting across from each other, I think. And Lady Catherine is like, you oh, no. can't sit next to your husband. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's it called? Uh, Mr. Collins is sitting next to Charlotte. And she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you can't sit next to your wife. And so she ends up sitting right next to Darcy. And um, 
during this whole dinner, Lady Catherine is just grilling Elizabeth and finding her lacking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she never had a governess, which mm. is funny. You know, we just talked about governesses last um, last Jane Austen. Austen. And she says, well, did your mother educate you? And she's like, no. no. We're, we just did it ourselves. I mean, yeah. dad probably, Helped. you know, gave us some books to read or whatever. Right. What's well, like, she? it's so funny that she's like, well, did your mother at least educate you? And she was like, well, not really. And uh, like Lady Catherine's like, oh my God. <laughs> I know. Like, like as if they're like the dumbest people on the planet and they seem very well read. They're just, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're not dumb, but, and I bet this is kind of um, close to Jane Austen's real life because mm-hmm. her, um, she had a big family and her dad was a vicar. And uh, I don't think, I don't know if they had a governess, but I feel like they didn't. And I think they just were educated you know at home by their dad and whoever wanted to teach them but i'm sure they did have their mom constantly saying you better learn your stuff because no one's gonna want to marry you exactly (laughs) yeah that's a good driving force yeah and um all of her sisters are out oh my god but even though lady Catherine is trying to you know needle her elizabeth won't let herself be insulted and she just pushes back yeah (laughs) um Lady Catherine insists that Elizabeth play the piano for them, <laughs> which she says, I really can't play. And she's like, no, you will. And then promptly completely ignores her, <laughs> which is very rude. I, say, I love that little like a uh, series of lines where she's like, you know, I love the piano. And she's like, if I was ever able to learn it, I probably would have been super proficient at it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, okay. That is so funny. And uh, Elizabeth starts playing the soundtrack music. <laughs> <laughs> oh and um according to the director commentary Anderberg was secretly in love with colonel fitzwilliam uh, I like which i didn't really see any signs of no well we never really got much of Anderberg. just no. her looking sor- solemnly down at her feet just, i presume uh, elizabeth never cared about her so that's why we never saw her <laughs> probably not um so darcy comes over to listen to the piano and then Fitzwilliam comes over to listen and he brings on a new little bout of flirty sparring between the two mm-hmm. <laughs> which is actually one of the more flirtatious flirty sparrings that they've had up until this point mm-hmm. so far it's been very like I don't know if this is actually flirting or if this is fighting, fighting. <laughs> but this Daggers. one seems a little more flirtatious um Would, is this the this is no is this the first time that Mr. Darcy like kind of laughs and smiles, or that, no? That's a later. Scene, no, that's way later. <laughs> I say because it, it's like very similar to that later scene because she's just like, instead of just being like outright like, well, he's uh, like a, just a pain in the ass. Like she's just like, well, I feel like you would find it unfortunate if that he didn't want to <laughs> dance with any eligible ladies, and just like poking a little fun at him. Yeah, and um, th- yeah, this is where he's saying, I'm I'm just not good around people, and she's like, well if you ever practiced, you might be good at it. There's no excuse for a man who is as wealthy as you to not be good at talking, talking to people. people. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like when she gave that advice, it wasn't like, you know, like idiot. She was just like being like, kind of like warm to him. Just be like, just practice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, back to the Collins's house, Darcy or um, Elizabeth is writing a letter and Darcy bursts in on them, <laughs> bursts in on her. She's alone. And she actually, it seems to like really be trying to be civil and he is being super awkward. She's like, uh, "Crazy." Will you sit down? And he says, uh, "No." And she says, uh, "Well, the 
Collinses aren't here. And he said, oh, well, I didn't come to see them. Yeah. And then they get there and he says, I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) So awkward. So weird. Yeah. And Elizabeth is a little confused. And this is actually the halfway point in the movie. Ah. I feel like from here on out, it goes so fast. Yeah. (laughs) And we get to, uh, oh, we're going to a sermon by Mr. Collins at church uh Fitzwilliams and her are sitting next to each other and he drops a bomb on her and the fact that Darcy was responsible for Jane and Bingley breaking up basically I mean right. breaking up but um and it's basically because her family was unsuitable yeah which is, which like, is mm. such a sting because and again why would she ever think that he had any interest in her when that's what she just heard right you broke my sister up from your friend because you didn't think the family was suitable not because we weren't rich enough or whatever no we just weren't worthy yeah and but you want to be with me okay (laughs) yeah no social grace whatsoever yeah and she is so pissed about this and you know upset about right this because she loves jane more than anyone else in the world so i guess when church is over she decides to go on a walk in the rain or uh she maybe she gets caught in the rain and she runs to this big folly of some sort like mm-hmm. a gazebo-ish thing yeah um, giant gazebo yeah and darcy shows up which in all of england i don't know how they always manage to run into each other in the middle of a field but <laughs> seriously in the middle of the rain yeah so he's i guess he's probably was following her i suppose probably so she's already pissed when he shows up <laughs> and this is what i would consider to be the sexiest scene in the movie uh the sexual attention is like through the roof <laughs> <laughs> i mean between them dripping wet and getting closer to each other and yelling in each other's faces <laughs> mm-hmm. and almost kissing at the end of the scene it's just like and I was like, do it, do it, please. It's a good thing it's raining because there would definitely be a fire starting between yeah. the two. <laughs> <laughs> and he shows up and just goes straight into the proposal. But he starts by saying, okay, here's a list of all your faults. Will you marry me? <laughs> <laughs> and then she's like, wait, faults? And he's like, well, I didn't mean faults. Uh. She's like, what? And he goes, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's pissed. And um, she's like, you just insulted me by the way you proposed to me and besides that you broke up jane what are you crazy you think i'm gonna fall for you and um he's like yeah so what so i broke up jane i was kinder to her than i am to myself or kinder to bingley than i am to myself and again who's gonna say yes to that i mean exactly (laughs) And um, of the final worst insult, he insults her father. And Offense thunder one. literally crashes. Yeah, <laughs> Time like, comes to a All she sees still. is red. Yes. She's like, now here's what you won't do. <laughs> I thought maybe I could forgive you until this point, but never. <laughs> <laughs> and then so then she throws the Wickham in his face. And this is where he actually starts to look like he's getting pissed. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they basically just yell in each other's faces until they almost kissed. And there should be steam in this scene. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> steam rising off. Um, I think, you know, okay, this I have to say for the Jane Austen fans, this scene is not exactly as it is in the book. 
But I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we all wanted to see the sexy in the rain version of this scene at some point. Yes. It's just so good. You can only have so many stuffy, polite versions of things. You need a little bit of... Well, no. I mean, the other versions are good too, but we've never but had like, a, like a, such a, a romantic yes, version. So dramatic, so... <sighs> So you need to like take a cold shower afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> but there's just so much like misunderstanding and so many sensitive, sensitive feelings. Seriously. And I mean, so much is happening on the surface and yet there's so much happening under the surface of what they're saying too. Mm-hmm. So after that, Elizabeth goes back to the Collins's house. She's wandering the house in her PJs. Supposedly the director says this scene is all about seeing yourself for the first time like realizing i never understood myself until this moment mm-hmm. which is what elizabeth's going through because you know she had this one idea of darcy and it was completely upended and now she's like wait a minute maybe i don't know how i feel about this situation she's like doing a lot of evaluating about mm-hmm. herself and she's uh, probably just replaying that moment in her head over and over and over yeah. and over again she's at that point where she's like what not like what what do i want like what who am i yeah yeah who am i which is why you only see like her back and her in shadow until she looks in the mirror and then she just stares at herself and can't for a long time yeah and even darcy comes in and it's kind of unclear as to what's real and what's really happening in the mm-hmm. scene but he comes in like a vision while she's like she can't break her own gaze from the mirror and he leaves a letter to explain himself, which we only get to hear about his explanation of the Wickham affair through right. this letter in this version. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume the other part was apologies for how he oh, <laughs> spoke of his of her family. Actually, <laughs> I would hope so. The first part is actually him saying, explaining the Jane stuff, mm-hmm. but not in a way of, I realize I've done something wrong, in a way of, this is why I'm justified in having done what I've done. Oh, Lord. So it's actually... It's funny because in other versions, you, that's the first half of the letter. Mm-hmm. And she's like, ugh! And then idiot. it gets to the Wickham part and she's like, oh, maybe I was wrong. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the one thing that this version doesn't have, and maybe for the best for like Laura or somebody, um, is usually Darcy seems so cold and you mm-hmm. just don't get any like of what he's thinking until maybe about this point in the Right. You know, in the story, um, especially like the, I think it's the 80s miniseries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, in this one, you see from the first second that he's falling for yeah. Elizabeth. You really get a lot from Matthew McFadden. Yeah. and Which that... makes him all the much more sexier. <laughs> exactly. Well, I think that's what like the, the, I would say you want the audience to kind of, from the get go, not completely dislike him. If yeah. you want to draw the audience in, even if it's just, like, this little shred of humanity that he has that's, like, somewhat redeemable. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to do other ones and really be able to get into the comparisons with you. Oh, yeah. So, basically, his explanation of the Wickham affair is that Wickham was basically a, a real dick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he grew up with the family, but once his father died, he basically just wanted money. And, um, and this version he tried to woo georgiana for her money and when he found out that he wasn't going to get any of her money um he left breaking her heart she was 15 so sad 
it's not exactly how it happens but that's how they explain it in this but i think mm-hmm. that actually kind of works better for a more modern audience because it makes more sense to us <laughs> yeah it make yeah it just flows better yeah i guess he does maybe just give a little synopsis of the jane stuff mm-hmm. i don't know um charlotte is uh, concerned like what what have you what did you do to darcy (laughs) what's going on with you and elizabeth's like i don't even know i gotta go home sorry (laughs) (laughs) she's like i'm just as confused so she goes back home and jane has finally come back from london jane is all i'm totally over him but it's clear by her straining neck muscles she's on the verge of tears (laughs) like she's not okay i'm fine everything's fine how could you possibly suspect that nothing's fine (laughs) (laughs) um and as they're discussing this kitty bursts in crying her eyes out and saying it's not fair lydia has been invited to brighton and she hasn't and elizabeth actually tries to stop kitty from or lydia from going to brighton by having a talk with her dad about how you've got to stop her because she is a little monster (laughs) (laughs) she's 15 and she has no idea of the world and uh yeah well we we know that she's correct in that yeah later she's on. super naive but uh mr bennett is like i need a vacation from lydia i don't care <laughs> 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 which i i just can't i can't fault him for that because all she does is just laugh loudly the yes. whole entire movie yeah she's way more insufferable in other versions too so aunt and uncle gardner they decide to invite elizabeth on vacation with them uh before she leaves she tries to tell jane about darcy but she gets interrupted um and she doesn't really want to have to mention the bingley part of the situation right because she doesn't really want to tell jane how much of a jerk darcy is because i think she's already starting to have feelings for darcy Mm -hmm. i also think she doesn't want to like you know break jane's heart even further like yeah because and also i think she's like this doesn't seem like mr bingley like let's just i don't want to cloud her judgment of him any more than it yeah is. that's true but they go on vacation um and it's gorgeous she's standing on the edge of this cliff with her dress billowing in the breeze oh so pretty it looks very dangerous <laughs> yeah i was like i just kept picturing that like one slab of rock like just sliding off and I her know. be like oh my god <laughs> Um, their carriage breaks and they eat an apple under a giant oak tree and they're like oh we're near Pemberley you say (laughs) (laughs) let's go tour it and Elizabeth says I I don't want to he's just he's so he's so rich (laughs) (laughs) they're like yeah her her uncle's like you're such a snob he can't help that he's rich (laughs) (laughs) ridiculous line (laughs) I was like okay it's funny because I mean pride and prejudice I, whenever you study it at school mm-hmm. it's all, one of the questions you always have to answer is who is the pride and who is the prejudice and mm. really they kind of both are yeah, in their own way sure. so they get to Pemberley and their jaws are agape because it's a giant beautiful house um, it's practically a museum on the inside mm-hmm. it's filled with art um, it's actually Chatsworth house uh, there's a lot of really interesting information about that in the uh, special features on the dvd but i didn't write it down but they uh it is suspected that that house that they're at Mm -hmm. was the house that 
Jane Austen was picturing in her mind when she wrote Pemberley because she had been there. She had written about oh. it and certain things she describes as Pemberley are things that you could use to describe Chatsworth House. So okay. that might be the actual Pemberley that wow. she had envisioned in her mind. So they go into this sculpture room, which is um, amazing. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> and it also adds to the sexiness of this version because it's all butts and abs. And that's where the camera is lingering. <laughs> <Just> nudes. <laughs> Elizabeth is extremely impressed. And... um. She gets a bit a bit lost in her own reverie as she's staring at Mr. Darcy and kind of loses her aunt and uncle on the tour. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of just looking at everything, kind of looking for them when she stumbles upon somebody playing piano in another room. And of course, she has to spy through the doorway. <laughs> and it's Georgiana playing. And as she's playing, Mr. Darcy shows up. Georgiana jumps up, gives him a hug. We see that she is just a child yeah a little babe she's adorable but she looks so young and i'm sure that's not exactly what elizabeth was expecting because you know the caroline had written jane about how oh we expect him to marry georgiana yeah but looking at her you're like yeah she's what in like good. six years maybe <laughs> So as soon as he catches her spying on them, she skedaddles out of there. <laughs> She's like, oh, shit. That's when I definitely heard a crow cry. Rah! <laughs> <laughs> um, and he races to catch up with her. And this is all very awkward because of their last encounter. Right. Um, but the sparks are still flying. And the way he looks at her, this is where he starts to get what I like to think of as the Mr. Darcy puppy dog face. <laughs> where he's just like, his. I, I can't describe it. I can only make the face. <laughs> big eyes. There's a lot of eyebrows. Droopy. Droopy, <laughs> droopy eyebrows. So, he, you know, it's awkward. She's mortified because she, she thinks that he's going to think that she's just coming there to spy I, on him or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't know what she thinks he's going to think. But um, she's extremely embarrassed. And she just walks home, <clears throat> which is extremely awkward because her aunt and uncle... I assume, are still there. Yeah, digging the door. So I suppose Mr. Darcy had to say, uh, yeah, I ran into Elizabeth. She ran off, so go ahead and take the carriage home. She'll meet you. Or else <laughs> they would have just let... I mean, it's yeah. so weird. I can't imagine them actually leaving her there. No. But um, I guess it doesn't really matter. She walks back to town, and before she can even get to the inn, Darcy has arrived to invite her aunt and uncle to dinner to dine with them and to meet her uh to meet his sister and she as soon as she walks into the hotel it's funny uh or to the dining area or whatever she sees him and immediately hides behind a curtain yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like that so he's invited them to dine they go to meet georgiana and eat with them and we don't get much of it but she's she's so adorable Mm -hmm, and she seems sweet. so young and they're flirting and uh, before they can even introduce mr and mrs gardner they've already flirted quite a bit and mm -hmm. it's like they all realize oh there's people here there's people here and the look <laughs> on the gardener's faces like, when they uh... are revealed they're like i think there's a lot more to this situation than <laughs> i know <laughs> and georgiana is also flinging knowing glances around mm -hmm. so she's like i know this is going on everybody is quite aware of this situation um after a, a fun day at pemberley i assume 
A very inauspicious letter arrives. And unfortunately, Mr. Darcy happened to be right there when it came. So he got to hear, or fortunately, <laughs> actually, but well, unfortunately and fortunately. So this whole, like, Emma, or Emma, <laughs> Elizabeth <laughs> walking in and out of the arch is uh, written by Emma Thompson. It was her, yeah. Emma Thompson's this idea. This is also a candidate for one of my favorite scenes because I thought, I kind of, like, I kind of thought it was funny. <laughs> the way she, like, circled out and she, like, looked at them and just, like, ah! yeah. and then, like, walked back around. They were just like, okay, she yeah. got to go back out. <laughs> it was very funny. I, like, it's staged so well. <laughs> yes, so good. Um, so they're all watching her pace and cry. And finally, she tells them what the letter says, which is that Lydia has run away with Mr. Wickham. Dun, Ugh. dun, dun. World shattering. Oh, my God. And it's kind of hard to understand from a modern time how dreadful this is. Mm-hmm. But if say she had run away and they hadn't gotten married and i don't know even if she had just come straight back home or if she had come home pregnant or anything they would have been in total disgrace none of the girls would have had any hopes of getting a rich husband after that it's really like earth shattering could ruin their lives forever yeah and lydia does not even care notice (laughs) what's happening um so mr darcy is blaming himself Lizzie is blaming herself, and Darcy's like, well, I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'll, I'll find him. Yeah, well, we don't know that he's going to find him, although it doesn't take us long to figure that out, no. but, um, yeah. So, yeah, he goes to find them. Mr. Gardner goes to find them. Not together, but they're both going to find them. And Elizabeth takes the carriage home alone, presumably. Although I would think Mrs. Gardner would come with him, but she, we don't see it. Mm-hmm. And we go back to the Bennett house. Mrs. Bennett is hysterical in bed. <laughs> She's so great, though. I love Brenda Blethyn. She's... Normally, whenever it's the, I have flutterings and sputterings all over. Yeah, spasms all, <laughs> all over. My body. It's usually so over the top, but I feel like oh, Brenda Blethyn is actually having like a nervous complaint because mm-hmm. she definitely seems. She looks like she's having an actual breakdown. Yeah. Um, she's like my baby lydia so sad (laughs) that's when it kind of turns from like being kind of funny because she's so like oh my god yeah and then it becomes like oh yeah she is your baby (laughs) and then you remember she's 15 yeah and she's run away with an adult gross man yeah that's i don't like slime ball (laughs) uh so just then a letter from her uncle arrives for her dad everyone's trying to open it but luckily dad arrives I assume immediately upon them getting this letter. So they hand it to him. He barely mm-hmm. gets a chance to look at it before Elizabeth rips it from his hand. She's like, I'll read it. <laughs> and it says they've been found. They're going to be married. If Lydia can just have a hundred pounds a year, which is basically what their, all of the girls dowry is a hundred uh-huh. pounds a year, because I think that's basically what the estate can afford. Right. And, uh, Mr. Bennett is like, uh, how much does, did your uncle have to spend to make this possible? And they're speculating like 10,000 pounds just to pay off his debts. And their uncle must be 10,000 pounds. I looked up is almost the equivalent of a million dollars. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's so much. Yeah. They, um, so, but luckily they're going to be married. Mrs. Bennett rouses herself so she can <laughs> rub it in her neighbor's faces. <laughs> so she's had a complete 180. She's like, oh, yeah. they're getting married. 
the gray skies are gonna clear up (laughs) (laughs) uh lydia and wickham arrive lydia is insufferable of course (laughs) she's talking about how she showed her ring off to some famous actress and they are planning on moving to newcastle they say in this i don't know it's usually i don't know if it's usually that specific it's usually just Just the north the north but um so I'm always picturing Scotland in my head because they say mm-hmm. the north, but I don't know where Newcastle is. I'm not that familiar. I'm not familiar with English geography. I mean, I don't think it's in Scotland, but it could be. Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, but what do I know? Yeah. So there. <laughs> I mean, write in and tell us, please, if you want to answer any of these bizarre questions we present <laughs> that we don't know. Um, so Lydia gives away that Darcy is the one who set up the marriage at while they're eating. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth is shocked, but also maybe a little hopeful. Yeah. Because, well, if he actually did this, then maybe, maybe, maybe he still likes me. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, everything is happening so fast at this point. Lydia leaves. Um, Elizabeth really gives Wickham the cold shoulder. (laughs) Um, As she should. Yeah. And as she's leaving her mom and her have a little touching moment where you can see that Elizabeth has grown up some over the yeah. course of this movie. She's like, it, my mom's not the yeah. craziest. Yeah. At the beginning <laughs> of the movie, it was all eye rolls and my mom is so embarrassing every time she spoke, but now she realizes she loves us. She just wants what's best for us. Right. She just know. is trying to get, you know, like you said, the best life. Yeah. And we uh, see a little bit of Wickham yanking Lydia down. And it's like, that's not going to be a good marriage at no, all. No, it's sad. Someone's going to have to do away with Mr. Wickham at some point. I was going to say, I was like, is there going to be some like that? Or are they just going to be like, well, Lydia had to be sacrificed. I assume that for the rest of their lives, Wickham is constantly coming to Pemberley and being like, hey, brother-in-law, give me some money. <laughs> Hopefully, Mr. Darcy would be like, let's go ahead and put an a-, a hit on him. Please. <laughs> that would be funny. I can't actually imagine Darcy doing something like that, but... Maybe if Elizabeth asked nicely. <laughs> I could like, see Please. maybe Lydia waking up in the middle of the night one night and just suffocating with a pillow, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I'd say after years of terrible, awful treatment. Yeah. Um, okay, then we go to town and we learn from a very charming, twinkly-eyed <laughs> man in the street that Mr. Bingley is returning... And Jane just will not take sympathy from anyone. She's like, I'm fine. fine. I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about me. All with a giant smile on her face. Um, But the men arrive while the ladies are lounging about, (laughs) sleeping on the couch and playing with ribbons. (laughs) It's the most relatable picture. (laughs) You liked this scene a lot. Mrs. Bennett laying like just kind of like half napping with a plate of some food on her stomach <laughs> just like Ugh. yeah and as soon as they hear they're coming just in a flurry they all tidy <sighs> up everything and act natural both jane and elizabeth seem completely beside themselves um and just in time as they walk in they're all sitting there a picture of womanly excellence <laughs> <laughs> um mr bingley comes in and he's really he's trying it seems to not stare at Jane, but mm-hmm. it seems like that's impossible for him. And vice versa, <laughs> she's trying not to stare at him, but also again. I say both their minds are like, act natural, act natural. <laughs> yes. Don't give it away. Just breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and Darcy and Elizabeth are doing the same, although Elizabeth, you know, is like, 
Mr. Darcy, talk to me a little bit. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's cool things off. But Bingley turns bright red and walks out the door. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm going to be sick. Yeah. Things did not go as he planned it in his head. So we get this little funny scene of Mr. Darcy hyping up Mr. Bingling to propose. <laughs> you can do it. Which is funny. And the music in this scene sounds exactly to me like the 1996 miniseries. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why, but just for some reason, this particular scene, I was like, is this like a callback to the miniseries? <laughs> Maybe. Um, so Elizabeth almost tells Jane again about Darcy and the whole proposal thing when Bingley returns. And he bursts in and says, I know this is all very untoward, but I would like to request an audience with Jane alone. And Brenda Blethyn, Mrs. Bennett, is like, everybody to the kitchen. <laughs> She's like, it's happening. Get out. <laughs> She's so delightful. Um, and Bingley gets down on one knee. I don't even know if they really did proposals like that, but uh, I could see that coming from that time period. Yeah. We're for even before. Um, and everyone is listening to the door, through the door. And as um, soon as she says yes, they all bust in. It's so cute. It is really sweet. But Elizabeth is kind of, you know, she's happy for her sister. But it also, I think, is really hurting her. Like, I've ruined my chances. I didn't think I liked Mr. Darcy until he was not a possibility. And then I realized maybe I really did. I'm yeah. Like, totally. And I also think it's like a mixture of like well like her best friend slash sister is like gonna be married off and gonna leave her and so she, at this point she probably is under the impression that her and mr darcy have no chance so she's like i'm gonna be here basically by myself yeah i'm gonna die an old maid she does she even says that later or she says because they go back up to um their room and laugh with each other and oh we get um i guess the camera goes by the outside of the house and we get to mm-hmm. check in on each person in their bedrooms and we start with mr and mrs bennett and they're just like oh i knew she couldn't be so beautiful for nothing yeah. <laughs> and you can tell that they really love each other in this version mm-hmm. and kitty and mary are now each other's companions which mm-hmm. is definitely good for each of them yes <laughs> they could have a great impression on each other yeah and betsy their housemaid is still singing through the house um and then we enter jane and elizabeth's room and jane is practically bursting with happiness and elizabeth is very happy for her and suddenly there is a knock at the door in the middle of the night who could it be it's lady catherine she has unexpectedly arrived very late and she must speak to elizabeth alone and she basically is like, Darcy's going to marry my daughter, and she's not going to marry you. <laughs> yeah. She's very rude, very confrontational. She says, one of my favorite lines is, are the shades of Pemberley to be thus polluted? <laughs> <laughs> so dramatic. And Elizabeth basically admits that she's not engaged, but she refuses to promise that she never will be. And then she says, you've insulted me in every way possible, and now I must ask you to leave immediately. <laughs> Please. Yeah. So what did you think of that scene? I thought it was so, like, it was so good. Like, I feel like it would have been so much fun to do that scene with Judy Dench. Like, yeah. just to be like, all right, we're good. They're basically equals, I think. <laughs> it comes off as, like, they're both, like, we're not taking shit. Just because you're a, this, you know, super rich lady doesn't mean you could treat my family like shit. Yeah. Yeah. And this scene is definitely cut short for this version at it's like one of the best standout scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
while while they're doing this, the whole family uh, presumably is standing outside the door listening in because um, as soon as the door opens, they're all standing they're there. Like, oh. And they're like, what happened? And Lizzie has a very teenage moment where she says, for once in your life, leave me alone! And she <laughs> runs up the stairs and slams the door. <laughs> I, was, I found that very relatable to my teenage years yes. growing up as, you know, one of four kids. So yeah. I was like, leave me alone. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure she's never really had a true rebellious period but that's probably, probably not <laughs> the, well i mean she refused to call in so maybe that well, counts <laughs> maybe like in the stereotypical like you don't understand me just leave me alone yeah exactly um she cannot sleep because i assume this whole Catherine de berg thing is keeping her up plus mm-hmm. she's like well why would she come if mr darcy didn't plan on ever proposing to me again yeah. where she get like, this how did she idea? get this yeah exactly <laughs> And the second the songbirds start singing outside of her window, maybe blackbirds, I presume, <laughs> she says, okay, I'm going out. Because <laughs> she's just been sitting there with her candle all well, night. She's got to do her favorite thing. She's got to walk. Yeah. And this is at least the third time in the movie where a pivotal scene is happening at dawn. Mm-hmm. We start off at dawn and we end at dawn. Although there's a little bit extra. Um <laughs> And again, this is just gorgeous. We get like the purple morning mist, and she's in her coat and billowing behind PJ's her. house dress. I don't know. I don't think it's like a real Mm-mm. clothes. <laughs> no. And uh, what to her wondering eye should appear but a very hot Darcy standing across <laughs> the field. <laughs> very uh, unbuttoned. This yes. Darcy, his shirt all the way down. I guess he was up all night, too. Yeah, he's like, I couldn't take it. I had to see her. <laughs> They're so alike, secretly. Mm-hmm. And um, just as the sun is cresting the horizon, they meet with each other. And he's like, your talk, your talk, <laughs> quote, unquote, <laughs> with my aunt, allowed me to hope that maybe you don't despise me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I still love you. And, or he says, I love, I love I love you. And it just like <laughs> pulls out your heartstrings. I know. He's so hot, Darcy, in this scene. Yes. It's just like, yes, yes. I would say you would this have been like, This is why like, women uh... love Darcy, right here. <laughs> say, my brain would have been like flatlined, like, oh my God. I know. I've seen Matthew McFadden and a ton of other stuff, and I've never thought he were the sexiest man alive. But as Darcy, I think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we kind of cut so much of the dialogue of this scene, and mm-hmm. we just end with them. Um, with their foreheads together, the sun spilling between their faces. Ugh, Must have been shot. such a hard shot to get perfectly, but... It was beautiful. Yeah, it turned out great. I mean, you only get, like, really one chance yeah. a day <laughs> to be able to do it. And so they have to take turns telling Mr. Bennett. <laughs> First, I presume Dar- Darcy is asking Mr. Bennett for her hand. Right. And then uh, he's like, um okay but i gotta talk to elizabeth first because i think she hates you (laughs) you're like i'm pretty sure last thing she told me was that you're the worst yeah he says are you out of your senses but she just you know she admits that she loves him that she was totally wrong about him and he is a you know he's he's got tears in his eyes and he says i could never have given you up to a less suitable man we get a little shot of Mrs. Bennett and Jane being like, I thought she hated him. Yeah. I, I guess, guess we're not. wrong. We're always wrong about Elizabeth. <laughs> like, you can't read her. Yeah. So, um, and oh, she also tells her dad about how Mr. Darcy helped 
with the whole Lydia situation mm-hmm. and just overcome. Yeah. And um, okay, so this <laughs> let me set this up. So the last scene, I guess we could go ahead and say the last scene is basically just them at after the wedding, mm-hmm. I assume uh, honeymoonish time. Yeah, that's the feeling I got. Yeah, and they're just talking about what they're going to call each other. It's like a little denouement where we get to see them in love. Normally, mm-hmm. we have a wedding. There's not really a wedding in the yeah. book, per Which se. I kind of like I kind of like it. Like, we just jumped to them being together already. Yeah. But, okay, so originally when the movie came out and they tested it in um, England, mm-hmm. some of the Eng- – well, okay, there's so much about this scene. Um, <laughs> okay, the movie was previewed to the Jane Austen Society of North America, where uh-huh. I've gotten a ton of information for this podcast already. And <laughs> the president, Elsa Solender, at the mm-hmm. time, Elsa Solender, not to, you know, smear her name in any way, but she said it has nothing at all of Jane Austen in, in it. This is the, for, about the last scene. It's inconsistent with the first two-thirds of the film. It insults the audience with its banality and what? ought to be cut before the release. So, sure enough, it was cut. The British people no. was not released with the final scene. It just ended with Mr. Um, Bennett being like, if any of the other girls want to get married, send in their suitors. Um, but then, so they, they showed it in um, America with the scene, of course. Uh-huh. And then the people of Britain were like, or of England. I don't know. Can you say Britain? I don't think you could just call it Britain. Yeah. England. I don't know. Again, tell me UK, what I'm supposed to say. Maybe. <laughs> um, they, they were like, what? You gypped us of a whole scene from this movie. You so can... they had to re-release it with the scene. You can thank that one lady. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's the Jane Austen Society of North America was the lady. So. <laughs> oh, what's well, so stupid? Like, what a dumb commentary. I mean, you know, Jane Austen fan, especially if you Listen. run the whole society, I'm sure you're like, any deviation from the book is not to be tolerated. I just, if you're going to be a diehard Austenite, then maybe just read the books over and over again. These yeah. are interpretations of exactly. the Exactly. I, I mean, exactly. Each writer is going to put their own interpretation. I don't uh, want to judge book. anyone for not liking a specific yeah, I mean, version. You, I love them all, so. <laughs> you can just say you don't like it, but you don't have to insult the I mean, they, cut, like, they changed the whole movie for it. I don't know if it was just for that or if it, there were also like some screenings in England. Maybe. Um, but eventually they got pissed and said, yeah. you can't just jip us like that. We want this sexy last scene. I think, uh, yeah, I think the last <laughs> scene is, I, I would say it's very American. Yeah. It feels very American, which, which is why I think we're like, we love it so much. Yeah. Well, I mean, the whole movie is so mm-hmm. heightened, romantic, and sexually that it's, it's kind of what you need for the end of this movie. Exactly. You can't just have it just be like, all right, plain. Yeah. But the um, ironic thing is it was voted as one of the best endings in a film by Entertainment Weekly. Good. So, <laughs> because I agree. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> it was such a sweet, uh, like, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it's the most, like, picturesque, perfect, romantic last scene of a movie. <laughs> it was just so beautiful. I know. The last time I watched it, I thought, I know it'd be way over the top, but I almost want to see fireworks over their heads. I know, (laughs) (laughs) just planned fireworks. And I'm like, well, now I want a, you know, a mansion with a nice long, humongous pool in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of just come into a lot of money and just buy that mansion, (laughs) sit there, sit sit on top of a table. So, um, what are your final thoughts of the movie? I loved it. 
I mean, it, I I think this is, and I love the director. I mean, I love Atonement. I love mm-hmm. Hannah. And I mean, I just, this is, like I said, this is what I want out of a period piece is I want it to be beyond beautiful. <laughs> the costumes to be like perfect. Like they're going to be this like flowy, even if the fit is not of the old time, like what you would expect from like a classic period piece. Well, I mean, it's, of that time it is for when they said it yeah because like when like when you hear period piece you immediately think of like the large dresses and stuff you know oh yeah but um like even well the... i don't because i only think of jane austen, jane austen. <laughs> <laughs> i'm thinking more of like you know like the duchess or something like oh, that yeah, where it's yeah. like these super high royal crazy uh-huh. but um even like even though they weren't like that like they were still so beautiful and the people were beautiful which <laughs> i thought was so funny that they were saying how like Mary, they're like it's so unfortunate that Mary is so like plain and not. <laughs> oh, and not Charlotte, as, they were and saying. Charlotte, they're not as handsome. Which I was like, everyone in this movie is a supermodel. Yeah, they're all like everyone is gorgeous, gorgeous faces, <laughs> gorgeous figures. Like, okay, <laughs> yeah, they're all like a stunning example of humanity. <laughs> exactly, but I just like I had so much fun from beginning to end. It was so funny, like it was really funny. And, I knew you were gonna like this one. Uh, yeah, I just. <laughs> definitely gonna be probably one of my favorites i might find myself comparing all the weapons to be like well it wasn't the same as well you know i figured you were probably whichever the first you saw we're gonna compare Mm -hmm. although i think we're gonna end up watching so many that yeah it won't you'll you'll be able to pick your favorite at the end of Mm -hmm. you know but i knew you're gonna like it because it's i knew you liked atonement and yeah yeah so beautiful oh and i guess yeah, what about My you? final thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the it's other so house. It's hard because, I mean, I love it. I love mm-hmm. the family dynamics. I love the look of it. I love all the actors. Mm-hmm. I feel like they all bring a certain nuance to their characters, which reveal things that I never considered about the characters, which is my favorite thing about any adaptation is getting to really learn about the characters through other people's perceptions of the mm-hmm. characters find this like new layer and there mm-hmm. really wasn't a weak like a weak member of the cast no i feel like everyone brought their a game i mean personally i don't like wickham in this version i said yeah, that no. already and I, sorry to any wickham stands yeah and for this version i love wickham don't get me wrong just mm-hmm. not this in, not this interpretation yeah. but he's just i honestly um i don't know if i said this earlier but i feel like wickham almost that whole storyline mm-hmm. you know mary was almost cut from this movie which is would no. have been a real shame, but um, and I think a lot more people would have disliked it had they done that. Mm-hmm. But um, I almost feel like they would have cut the Wickham storyline if they could have because yeah. they just pared it down to its barest bones. Yeah, I think they needed to have that final, like conflict, the final stakes at the end where they're like everything could be ruined. Yeah, and they needed that. But I mean, Matthew McFadden is so um. Uh, <sighs> heartthrob in this movie hot yes hot as darcy he's i mean i love him as darcy i think um kara knightley is great i Mm -hmm. love rosamund pike as jane i i love rosamund pike period (laughs) she's amazing at everything i I just love everyone i love Mm -hmm. everyone in the cast i think it's really really well done yeah i think if you can play a moody stone wall of a man (laughs) <laughs> and then have this arc where everyone ends up loving you. Yeah. <laughs> I think that speaks a lot to your talent. Yeah, it does. So good casting, good yes. acting, good everything. Yes. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10.
did a deep dive on Mr. and Mrs. Gardner. Okay. Because I love the actress who plays Mrs. Gardner. Me and, too. you know, I didn't want to pick anyone too big because I'm still scared <laughs> <laughs> to say the wrong things. It's too much. But, um, plus, we're going to have so many opportunities there's, to go through all of them. That there's a million. Yeah. And there's really not that much about the Gardners. Um, he's. Oh, so Edward Gardner, Mrs. Bennett, and Miss. There's a Mrs. Phillips who was not in this, um, but they're uh, all three siblings. Okay. So he's Mrs. Bennett's brother. Gotcha. And he's described as being in a very respectable line of trade. Okay. Don't know what he trades, but um, he's a sensible, gentleman-like man with easy and pleasant manners, and he likes to fish. <laughs> very much so that's pretty much all we really know from the books about him okay um mrs gardner all we know about her given name is that it begins with an m okay mrs m gardner yeah she's sensible and intelligent amiable and generous she's a good listener whose discretion can be counted on there is an article that i read by seth castle about um about the comparison that is set up between her and Lady Catherine okay. and how it's kind of showing that a lady who's just the wife of a tradesman can actually be more noble in her behavior Demeanor. than Lady Catherine, who, who acts is, like... <laughs> seems balls to the wall, like, I'm not going to hold back. Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah, if she wasn't so rich, she would never be considered... Uh, acceptable <laughs> yeah <laughs> they have four children they don't have any children in the movie but they okay. have four children in the books two girls two boys the girls are six and eight and the boys are younger than that um okay. they live in london on grace church street near cheapside which is i guess near his Maybe um, trading yeah port yeah. thing and it's considered to be one of the happiest marriages in an austin novel. i'll say they seemed very uh like content there was no sort of conflict with them yeah they just definitely seem to love each other um stable <laughs> the only book that i found that's based on them is a book called the courtship of edward gardner a pride and prejudice prequel and i think it's the story of how him and mrs gardner got together okay and Let's not sort them just yet, because okay. because there is so little about them, I decided to do my actual real deep dive on Jane Austen's aunt. Okay. Because I was wondering, is Mrs. Gardner based on her real life aunt? Because I knew she had an aunt who she cared a lot about. Mm -hmm. But, whoa, the story I found out was way crazier than I oh, ever Lord. knew. Lord, I'm excited to hear <laughs> So this all comes from a website called Reveries Under the Sign of Austin. And okay. it says it was written by Ellen and Jim. No last name given. Hmm. I mean, maybe it says somewhere else on the website. but um, Or maybe the whole website is theirs. I don't know. Okay. So this is all based on letters from the Austin family, letters from the East India Trading Company, and other people-related letters at the time. They've read them all, and they've pieced together the story of this woman, Philadelphia Austin Hancock. Oh, wow. So I'll just give you a real short baby biography on her. Okay. Um, she was born in 1730 to William and Rebecca Austin. Okay. Her mother died when she was two years old, 
and her new stepmother had no interest in raising any of the previous children. Mm. So her brother and sister were sent to um, the Austin side of the family. Okay. She was sent to, I guess, her mother's side. Okay. And even though the family she lived with had plenty of money, they don't appear to have shared it with her at all. Um, We haven't gotten to it yet, but this could be a real Mansfield Park situation for those of you out here who are Austin (laughs) fans. Um, So at 15, they basically apprenticed her to a milliner Uh for five years, Um, which seems extreme, like a rich family sitting this girl to be a milliner trade for five years. (laughs) Um, But I guess the Austin family who was raising her brother and sister uh, basically were still kind of in contact and they felt bad for her. So they gave her some money to help her get out of the milliner trade. And with it, she moved to India. Oh, wow. Because at the time, I guess the East India Trading Company, you know, Britain or England had colonized India. Yeah. And um, I suppose it's kind of like, a, you know, I'm not going to make it here. I got to go somewhere where they don't know me and I yeah, can start fresh. Yeah, start afresh. So there, and this is only something that they have discovered through these um, letters that they've been reading. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think she's ever been that big of a, you know, people haven't really tried to figure out her life story, but she had a baby while she was there and Supposedly, it was by this big wig called Hastings, who worked for the East India Trading Company. Um, He later became the governor general of India. So he was like a really big wig. And the baby's name was Eliza. And we will definitely get to her because I think Lady Susan is based on her. Um, But instead of actually marrying her himself, because he didn't want to (laughs) Uh he arranged for her to marry this guy hancock who was 20 years older than her Mm. um so they she had the baby she said it was hancock's um they moved her and hancock moved back to england where she was welcomed by her brother and his family the austins who little jane i think was just being born then or maybe she was about to be born Uh But unfortunately, her husband was not able to make enough money in England, so he moved back to India, uh-huh. where he basically stayed, and she never really, he wouldn't let her come visit him, he never really came back, so she was here raising Eliza by herself, mm-hmm. while he was off in India doing God knows what. <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up dying in India after a pronounced absence, and he Boy. was terribly in debt. Hastings paid off his debts, Hastings gave... um philadelphia ten thousand pounds for uh raising eliza and another secret ten thousand pounds that was only in like letters that they found later later um so that that pretty much set her up you Mm -hmm. know twenty thousand pounds is enough for two women to be getting on with and her and eliza moved to france for a little while you know eliza got into this terrible marriage in france again we'll get into her someday um They ended up moving back to England, and Philadelphia ended up dying of breast cancer. Mm. But she was living with her daughter, and her and her daughter were very close. She was also very close with her brother's family. Mm -hmm. Her daughter actually later, after her first marriage, went on to marry Jane's brother. Uh. And 
At one point when she was young, Jane did attempt to write about her aunt's life in the story Catherine or the Bower, which is an unfinished novel from when she was a child. Oh. There was also an aunt that was arrested for shoplifting and almost put to death, but we will talk about her later, too. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) So this is just, you know, you read Austin and you think, oh, everything is so perfect and light. And this is why I say there's a lot going on under the surface. Oh, yeah. Even if it's not explicitly ever stated. I mean, if this is all going on in just her aunt's life, Uh imagine all the stories you could tell of all the people at the time. Jesus. I'm sure they're crazy yeah i'm sure there's so much to go (laughs) so um just for the aunt for mr and mrs gardner for sorting Mm -hmm. them i don't know i thought maybe gryffindors they just seem so warm-hearted i would say based on the descriptors um i would put um mrs gardner and gryffindor she seems loyal she seems like very passionate like about her family like she about people around her Uh protective um, I would put Mr. Gardner, he almost seems almost like a little bit like a Hufflepuff. Yeah, or maybe movie. a Ravenclaw. Or a Ravenclaw. Or, yeah, in this movie he does come across more Hufflepuff. In this movie he does, but maybe his descriptors seem maybe a little bit more Gryffindorish or Ravenclawish. Yeah, they just seem so warm that I just think mm-hmm. fire for them. Oh, yeah. Which is why I was thinking they must be fire signs. I was thinking maybe Sagittarius or Leo. Yeah. they seem warm-hearted, She's you know? Yeah, she seems, yeah, I would say she's a Leo for sure. Yeah. She seems very Leo-ish, and yeah, he could be a Sagittarius. I know, I was thinking, maybe we should never tell what our signs are, since we are sorting everyone. Maybe one day, later down the line, we can ask our um, uh, listeners uh-huh. to see if they could sort us into a house or uh, our astrology yeah. sign, just based on, you know, what they uh, yeah. picked up. Well... One day, you guys. All right. Well, that's it for the deep dives. Awesome. So cool. <laughs> sure i'll go first this week and i will recommend a podcast that i adore called no such thing as a fish it is a british podcast probably if you happen to be in england you've probably heard of it but a lot of americans have not heard of it it is a fact show with fun facts there's a show in england called qi which is just like this it's i think stephen fry is the host and they each episode is about a different letter in the alphabet and they have facts (laughs) based on that letter and it's just comedians telling the facts it's really funny um but these are the people who find the facts for that show and they pick their favorite facts of the week and um you know have a podcast about them when they eat they all have their own facts based on that fact and it's just i love it i love it every time i listen to it i end up texting my sister or my friends and i'm like did you know <laughs> and every time i write the phrase did you know they're like you've been listening to that podcast again <laughs> that's how it is with my favorite podcast too and they come out with um a new book every year called the book of the year or um the audiobook of the year if you like audiobooks which i particularly like that book as an audiobook because it's almost like listening to a super long version of the podcast <laughs> Because they read it all themselves. So, No Such Thing as a Fish. Definitely check that out if you like podcasts and facts. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, my recommendation for this week is going to be a book. Uh, it's going to be Normal People by Sally Rooney. And I just finished it yesterday for my book club. And 
it was so I just I found the writing to be so like real almost like it's about these two um Irish people who um there's a large like class disparity like uh one of them is really rich the other one is not necessarily like dirt poor but they're you know what we consider lower class and their parent works for the rich person and so it's kind of like um then it starts with them like in high school and their relationship blossoming and it's just so amazing it takes you in all these twists and turns and I don't know, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so good. <laughs> nice. It's really good. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm in that book club, but I haven't <laughs> read a book for it in so long. <laughs> this one was good, and it was only, it was under eight hours on Audible, so it's really fast. Uh, okay, I'll try it out. You should. It was really good. I thought it was great. <laughs> I mean, I have an audio book list that's about yeah. 20 books deep, but... <laughs> <laughs> it just, like, explores, like, class disparity and... It also, like, we'll explore a little bit, like, um, just emotional abuse and, uh, like, psychological abuse from, like, family members and from, like, you know, partners. And so it's just really, it was, I don't know, it was really interesting to read. Like, a lot of stuff happens in such a short amount of time. And it was really awesome. Yeah. Definitely check that out. What's your recommendation, Laura? Okay. uh, I think I'm going to recommend some movies. Okay. Which, you know, I thoroughly expect expect everybody's already seen these movies but whatever (laughs) so uh, i've been getting into a lot of friendly debates with my friends on social media about uh what movies are good and what movies aren't so good (laughs) it's so subjective (laughs) it's so subjective and i have a lot of unpopular opinions about very famous directors that i i understand that they're innovative and what they did was interesting but i still i don't think that their movies were what i would consider perfect Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you three movies that I think are perfect. Let's hear it. Uh, the very best one, uh, Master and Commander. Is that Russell Crowe? It is Russell okay. Crowe. I haven't seen, seen it, but I, I can see the poster clearly in my head. <laughs> so Anglophile that I am, love it. Uh, it takes place during, um, oh no, I'm drawing a blank. Let's not talk about when it took place. We'll just talk about how <laughs> in a lot of ways, like Pride and Prejudice, uh, the costuming is perfect. The casting is perfect. The scene design, the set design is perfect. The soundtrack is perfect. Everything is perfect. And it has this feel, and just like Pride and Prejudice, you're, there's no real long exposition of why you're here or what the world's about. You're just kind of dropped in and expected to keep pace uh-huh. and follow the story. And then you are not in the story anymore. And that's the whole movie. <laughs> And uh, I just think it's really great. So Master and Commander's one. <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road is mm. another one. I love that one. <laughs> I can't tell you how much I love this movie. There's, it's not perfect. There's a couple things that I, I don't like, namely the aspects that were meant to cater to 3D uh, <laughs> technology uh, where yeah. things fly out at the screen at you. But other than that, again, amazing soundtrack. Uh, art direction is just unspeakably good. And um, the amount of story they pack into that with nonverbal cues, with uh, the depth. Anyway, Mad Max Fury Road. (laughs) And then the the third one is the 1945-1946 Harvey, Jimmy Stewart film. I don't know that movie at all. Mm -hmm. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) This fucking movie. All right. Jimmy Stewart is a saint anyway. He's just an amazing person. Was. And... uh, this movie is about 
there's a guy who plays called uh, Elwood P. Dowd, the local drunk. <laughs> and Elwood's very best friend is Harvey, who is a six-foot-tall, invisible white rabbit. Now, that sounds uh, familiar. Is there something based on this? Uh, the movie is based off of a stage play. Is there another movie based off of that I, stage play? <laughs> not that I know of. Okay. Um, I could be, and I or just am I not just in the know. No way, and I don't know that I know it. Yeah, but I... It's so good. It's so heartwarming and so wholesome, and it's so funny, <laughs> so incredibly funny. And I, yeah, I take I took a lot of life lessons out of that movie, and it has <laughs> shaped me and uh, how I see the world uh, a lot. I'll have to check the. I have that Criterion Collection um, uh, streaming service. Yeah, it seems like something that might be on there. Perhaps, yeah. I'll so, look. Master and Commander, Mad Max Fury Road, Harvey. All completely right. unrelated the three movies. Three pillars of horror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except Mad Max Fury Road and Master and Commander are, are, I mean, Mad Max Fury Road is basically a naval battle, but it just takes place in cars <laughs> in a desert. Yeah. 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 But yeah. <laughs> anyway, please go see those movies if you haven't already, or criticize me for my taste <laughs> when you uh, assault my Christian <laughs> in the comments. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, I just realized, I don't think we... Did your plug during the last outro, did we? No, but that's okay. We can do it now. Okay, let's yeah. hear where you can find Laura because she's an amazing artist. Yes. If you like our cover art, you will love all of her work. Thank um, you. She does everything, I think. <laughs> so yeah, pretty much. Uh, so check her out. My, so my day job is uh, film and animation. And if you want to see some of the things I've worked on, you can go to laura.burl.net. And yes, I know it's not up to date and I'm going to up, update it. So don't, don't get mad at me. Um, and if you want to see some of my silly illustrations or anything like that, some little comic vignettes, um, you can go to my Instagram, which is just Laura Burl, Burl spelled like Pearl, but with a B. <laughs> I think I was pronouncing <laughs> it wrong earlier. Oh, no, I would have caught you. You got okay. it. <laughs> Oh, and um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can find our Twitter is at Manners Madness. Our Gmail is, or our email. I always call it Gmail, but it's really an email, but it's a Gmail. Google Consecrate. all. <laughs> Manners and Madness at gmail.com. Um, we have Instagram, Manners and Madness Pod. Oh, and our website, mannersandmadness.com, will take you to our anchor page where you can find all of the episodes of our podcast and the platforms that they are distributed on. Or that, yeah, that they are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Words. All right. Um, I think that's all. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Come back next week where we will be doing something completely different and just in time for christmas <laughs> <laughs> everyone needs a little dark christmas now and then we are doing david lynch's eraser head looks so interesting i've not seen this uh you know which is not a shock but it looks very you know just weird and yeah it's crazy. his first movie and it is i think most categorized as a horror movie oh if you were to like you know go to the movie video store which we don't have anymore no. if you were to go to itunes and look in the horror section Eraserhead would be the most likely david lynch intro wow into the horror that section. makes me excited because i love horror movies yeah it's definitely weird it's got jack nance who 
we know we like yes (laughs) (laughs) as the lead and uh we hope you'll come back and join us for that one yes yeah so um come back next week and join us for a racer hat yes and thank you for listening yes good night bye